when you step into a place where you're truly trying to turn around a culture and you're truly trying to turn the kids and the community and the school district into a winner um, and do things the right way, I think it take it just takes so much of your time to do on issues that honestly you've never dealt with before. But you just have to have that steadfast belief that it's going to work. Well, we're going to do it. If you if you want to take a risk and take a chance and do something, do it. Just go do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. As you settle in for episode 26, do yourself a favor. Head down in the show notes and join the High School Coaches Club. You get the newsletter to your inbox each and every Wednesday, and you'll be part of this huge nationwide network of people helping people. If you want to leave a rating, maybe even a review, you'd be making my day. Either way, just know I appreciate you for tuning in, and I thank you for helping grow the club. And a huge thank you to Netting Pros for sponsoring yet another edition of the High School Coaches Club. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. They specialize in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for baseball, softball, football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, and a whole lot more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, and dugout cubbies. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreational, high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, courses, and stadiums throughout this country. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking Netting Pros out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Huge thanks to Will and the gang at Netting Pros for powering up this episode of the High School Coaches Club with Randy Kearns, the brand new head football coach at Mountain Crest High School in Hiram, Utah. The story with Kearns is unique. He just wrapped up his second season as the head football coach at Fairborn High School in Ohio. And then shortly after the season ended, he accepted the same job at Mountain Crest. But the school year is still ongoing, so he's living in Ohio, teaching at Fairborn, and helping the program transition to its new coach, while also working remotely to get the ball rolling at his new school some 1,600 miles away. Makes for an interesting story. Here's episode 26 with Randy Kearns. All right, I'm joined here by Randy Kearns. Randy, welcome to the show. Coach Price, I appreciate it, man. I'm a baseball guy myself, so when you reached out, I was like, absolutely, it'd be fun. Yeah, I saw that when I was just kind of doing a little sleuthing on you, and then I found out, oh, man, he's a baseball guy, too, in college. I'm like, oh, jackpot, football and baseball. Absolutely. I love baseball, man. I, I'm a three-sport type of guy, and I, I actually coach, started out coaching baseball. It was my first head job, so it's pretty great. It's a different type of coaching than football, though, I'll tell you that. Oh, my gosh. It's way different. Yeah, in a, in a lot of different aspects. Um, so you're moving to Utah from Ohio. That's how I first saw you. I saw a tweet that just kind of popped up. Someone retweeted or liked it or something. Who knows how how that all happens. But right. um saw a tweet where you're, you're in Ohio right now, and you're gearing up to move to Utah, but you're finishing things up in Ohio. Uh, and so you're going to move to Utah, you're going to take over Mountain Crest over there. And from what I gather, you have zero ties to Utah at all. <laughs> What's that feel like? Zero. No, it's uh, it's wild to a certain extent. I mean, like sometimes you can't imagine doing things like that, you know, um, but but I've always been kind of one. I'm not afraid of of starting, not necessarily starting a new, but just starting in places and getting experiences I've never had and things like that. So 
Um, we, I had been looking out West for probably four or five years, um, and just trying to get to different areas, um, to experience different things in my life. So in that case, when, I mean, I kind of searched the Denver area, the, um, a lot of school, I probably would have searched like Oregon and Washington and places like that too, had to been playing football. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, no uh, and, and I've always wanted to, I'm just an outdoors guy, you know, like, like being outdoors, like being in the sun, like doing things. And I was like, what better place to do it, to do it than a place like that. And so that's kind of how I just kind of search for it. It's scary at a certain extent, but it's an opportunity to make some new relationships, man. It's what I'm really excited about. Yeah. And uh, if you're looking for outdoor stuff, there's probably not a better state than Utah as far as you get all the seasons you can do. There's a, obviously a ton of outdoor stuff you can do. It's just kind of like when I think of like a new state to go just move to kind of out of the blue, Utah is probably pretty high up there. I, I, I mean, I think so. Uh, to, to me, it was. Um, but I was definitely, but you got the mountains right there. I, I had seen, I'd been like flown through that area and things like that, but I had never really stepped foot in that area. Um, and then you get out there and you're like, it's weird that stuff like this even exists in, a, in this, in the world, you know, that being from a place like I am from Southwest Ohio, where you see kind of a lot of flat land and a lot of the same old, same old every day. So I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. So let's go back. Um, let's go back to your high school days. Where did you go to high school? Um, you already mentioned football and baseball. Did you play any other sports? How how far did your career go? Kind of take us back to high school and through college, kind of with your playing days. I'll tell you what, as the older I get, it's harder to remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, I went, I graduated, I graduated about 2005, um, in 2005 and not about, um, I was a yeah a high school man. I went to a small high school called National Trail High School. I mean, it really is. I graduated with eighty one guys. If that tells you how small how small the the school was, um, and the school class behind us, I think had like sixty. So it, it, it gets that it gets it fluctuates up and down. It's just really tiny school, really rural school. Um, born and raised in that area by Eaton, Ohio, um, and then I played from. The, from when, heck, I can from what I remember from third grade all the way through high school, like basketball, baseball, football, and those are pretty much my main three. Um, we started up, started playing basketball with the same seven guys starting in third grade, and we made it all the way through senior year together. So, and we had some pretty good teams. Um, but yeah, I started kind of went through um, just a real small school experience, you know. So that's kind of where I started at. And so then from there, you, you went to college, um, and that was in Indiana, if my research yep. proves correct. That's quite interesting, man. I, I was, I went to Earlham college, literally was only Earlham college is a small division three liberal arts school in Richmond, Indiana. Um, they had at that time just terrible facilities and just, it was just a run, but it was close. And I was being from the place I was, I didn't have any experiences outside of where I you know grew up. So I was like, all right, it's it's close enough to, or well, it's far enough I can be on my own a little bit, but it's close enough I can come home and do laundry if I really needed to, you know. So, um, I kind of that's kind of I started at Earlham College there in the fall of 2005. I was playing college football. I went in as a quarterback, um, and I was started playing baseball as well. I went in as a as a pitcher. I actually played all four years of both, which I probably shouldn't have because I was pretty good at football and like became an average pitcher at that level. You know what I mean? Uh, I think I probably could have been better if I had focused on one more and my grades would have been better, but that's neither here nor there. So, um, but I started with that 
Um, graduated in 09 doing those things. And now it's weird now, man. Earlham College, I don't know if you, being out west, you probably don't, but it was kind of uh, on newsworthy here a couple of years ago. And then a, even more newsworthy probably seven, eight years ago, they were famous, unfortunately, sadly, um, for losing like 50 in a row uh, at the Division three level. So I actually was in Indiana getting a haircut on a Saturday morning. And I, they had game day did in like 2013, did a segment on Earlham College versus Kenyon College, who Kenyon had lost like 30 in a row, Earlham <laughs> lost like 50 in a row. Who's going to win? They did like the oh, pick them at the end. I was like, well, that's not, that's cool to see them on there, but that's not the good thing you want to see. Uh, that's hilarious. We won some games when I was in school. We we were three and seven, four and six. We were competitive. Um, we had good offensive teams. But now they just two years ago they just actually dis, discontinued the football program. So I was like, well, I don't know if I need to tell people I went there or not anymore. But <laughs> I, I, yep, ended up doing that. Graduated '09 and then went right in, literally went right into coaching, man, right right away. So I graduated in May of 2009 with my bachelor's and went right into coaching freshman football right away. That's funny. I have a really similar story. So I graduated in 2007. So just a couple of years after you did from high school, I went to a, a D3 school also. They had actually my, uh, I think it was my, uh, maybe my junior year, they brought football back in 1991. They disbanded it. Then they brought it back uh-huh. my junior year. So they weren't, they weren't all that great then, but they've, they've found some success lately, but same thing. The facilities were okay. Now at the school, it's like, wow, the facilities are much better. They have a Starbucks on campus. And I'm like, we didn't have any of that stuff when I went to school there. But um, yeah, I graduated and I went right into coaching as well. I coached freshman baseball uh, right afterwards. And so um when did you kind of know, because obviously you went right into coaching and, and whatnot. So when did you, is that something that you thought of and got interested in in college? Is that something you knew that you wanted to do before then? Honestly, that was one of those things I, as far as becoming a teacher and coach, I think I, I always tell people this because people ask me that. I, I always tell people, I think I knew in my freshman year of high school what I wanted to do. And that's pretty rare, I think. I just had some good coaches. I had a great English teacher who was a, who was a basketball coach. Um, at that time, but it was just always something I was always, you know, as a quarterback growing up, I mean, all the, through peewee through high school, you're always in those leadership position like that. And I was just kind of one of those things that, um, I'm not sure if it comes natural to everybody, but it's one of those things that you kind of get a taste for and a feel for. Um, and I kind of just kept expanding on it, honestly. So, but uh, as far as teaching, uh, you know, how teaching is, uh, you just have that, that one teacher that really impacted you in a positive way that just kind of just turns the tide for you and, and gets you completely immersed in wanting to do that. So I think that's kind of, I guess it's kind of a basic story there, but it's kind of weird. I just, since high school, freshman year of high school, I think I knew what I wanted to do. That's amazing. You had an influential teacher. Who was it? My, as far as teaching wise, I probably had two that got me in there. Um, there was a guy named Jim Kelch, who was my eighth grade history teacher that really got me in a love of history. That's when I knew I wanted to be a history teacher. And I majored that majored in history and, and at Earlham College as well. And then as far as coaching, I had my best, probably two in high school, a guy, a guy named Les Wise, who was a basketball coach and was a um, English teacher for me. And then a, um, pretty much all my, well, actually pretty much all my coaches were teachers, you know what I mean? At a small school like that. So, but Mr. Wise was probably the biggest yeah. one that kind of influenced me towards that. Um, so it was, and then being with the rest of them, you're like, man, I, I think I want to do this too. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. I, I, same, same thing. I, obviously, I think, like you said, I think a lot of people going to teaching coaching, obviously had somebody along the way that was like, 
in one of those positions that was really influential for them and like leads you into it. Um, but then on the flip side of that, when you become a teacher or coach and you start to kind of reflect on what you do, um, do you think you emulate those people quite a bit in how you are as a teacher or coach, or do you think you've kind of gone off in your own directions? I think you kind of, you kind of get your own style. You got to be true to yourself, man. You know, I mean, that's on the field in the classroom. You got to be you. I mean, I think you take those lessons and you take those, the influence from those people and they get you started in things, but then you kind of just, you kind of go in your own way and you kind of like, all right, here's what works for me. Here's, here's how my personality fits in the classroom, on the field, whatever it may be. Um, and, and you kind of develop your own style in that way. Cause I mean, we all borrow stuff, right? As a coach, I mean, our teacher, you're borrowing things, you're cha- changing to fit your program, fit your program or your classroom. Um, so I think everybody probably at the end of the day comes up with, comes up with their own style. And if you're probably, if you're not doing that, you're probably not a great coach, I would imagine. Yeah. I had a coach and uh, he's uh, I was an assistant coach for him many years ago. And he had mentioned, he had said something along those lines of like you, you, you have to, you have to be yourself. You can't, you can't fake it. And I think probably all of us at some point have like tried to fake being maybe something we weren't for a little bit. And then like, for me, I'm, I'm a very like jovial, like jolly person. And so if I, if I try to like be a real hard ass, it just comes off being very, it's not, I don't know. It comes off sounding very fake if I try to act like this guy, I'm not. So um, I'm going to smile and have fun at practice and I'll still get on guys, but it's just, it maybe looks a little bit different for other people. But I remember when I first, when I was young, I'm thinking, man, I've got to be this, like, I can't be too happy. I've got to be, you know, and, and then you, you know, a few years go on and you realize, no, man, you've got to be yourself. Otherwise the kids will notice it too. Like they'll, it's easy to tell when someone's not really being themselves. <laughs> it's so true. And, and you can see it. Kids can see it too, man. You know, kids are, kids are smart. They're not dummies. I mean, they, they know like, man, this guy's trying too hard or things like we say that about, I'm sure as we, as human beings say that about as other people anyway. So it's, it's easy to know. It's easy to tell. And that's the thing I was always afraid of is not being true to me. And as far as just for the kids to know, like they, I want them to know me. I want the real me, not uh, like man, because I, I think you develop the, the relationships that way, you know, when you're true, when you're actually yourself. But yeah, I think I, I would like you, man. I started as a defensive coordinator when I was really young, like 24 years old. So I'm like the young, energetic coach. I did sprints with the guys, you know, I was lifting with the guys. And then you're like, and, and then when defense is out, you're just screaming and yelling all the time because that's the way either you probably had a coach like that growing up or or you think that's how it's always supposed to be done on defense, you know. But at the end of it, now it's like I rarely ever, I, I mean, I yell and stuff like, but like you were saying, but it's kind of like, it just means more when you're actually yourself, I think. So, yeah, it does. And, and I think at the time you're like you hit, you hit like 30 years old, and you're like, well, if I keep yelling like this all the time, I think I'm gonna have a heart attack. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yeah, when you start getting older, things ache and pain, and oh man, yeah. Uh, so you you kind of knew you wanted to be a teacher and coach. You you head off to college. You get to play. You leave college. You kind of start that career right away. Can you take us through the different stops you've had um, since you became a high school coach? That's a, that's the thing with me, man. I have had numerous stops and I'm only 34 years old still. Um, but I've had been at numerous schools already and there's a very variety of reasons for that. I mean, uh, but I started right away, man, as Richmond high school in Indiana, which is a pretty diverse, uh, I mean, it's a probably second highest, third highest level football in Indiana is not far from where I grew up. So I was able to get my master's actually from Earlham and teaching and while coaching and and doing student teaching and things like that. So I did that for a year of freshman. It was, that was a 
pretty fun experience. You think it's, uh, you know, as a 22 year old coach, you think it's the end all be all like, it's like, well, it's freshman, man, you know, but, <laughs> but, uh, I took it real serious and we had a good, we had good kids, a good team and actually went up to the varsity level the next year at a small County school, uh, in Indiana I was there for, as an, as a pair, as a paraprofessional. Cause at that time, it's a little easier now to get a teaching job, but towards that time, there was still somewhat hard to get a teaching job in Indiana at that time. Um, so I worked as an aide and, and was a varsity football coach, did the weight room stuff, and then eventually got up to my first coaching and teaching job, like officially, I would say, was at Mississippi High School. It's up in Gas City, Indiana. At that time, had come off numerous losing seasons in a row. They actually hired a new coach with Kurt Funk, who is at Fisher's High School now, um, which is a suburb of Indianapolis, one of the 6A big schools in in Indiana, um, and learned a ton there. Uh, I became head baseball coach at 24 while being de- defensive coordinator. And that was something that was kind of thrown on me, I guess. Like I was like, I was a spread no huddle quarterback in, in college. You know, I had zero defense experience. And then I'm out there coaching. I moved up there in the summer. I'm out there coaching in, in the summer. And all of a sudden he goes, I think you should be defensive coordinator. I was like, pardon? Like, what, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. I just know, I know a little, but it, I mean, but it was great though. I think, I think Kurt saw something to me that I could get it done and put the time in. And you just, you learn so much right away. Cause it's like, well, I better learn this. I better learn defense fast because this is a pretty good, you know, pretty good sized school. And I know nothing about it. And if I'm going to teach it, I better learn it. I better learn it, everything about it. So I became, so I was doing that for a while. Um, for probably, I was what, three and three, three and a half years, four football seasons and three baseball seasons. So then I, t- it was weird, man. I was 27 years old and um, I'm like, I just had this inclination. That's when I kind of started to get my, my um, desires, I guess you would say, to see other places and do different things. Uh, so I actually took a job in Florida in November of 2014. I had had my license and all that. And I took a job down there as an assistant baseball coach and assistant football coach at Palm Bay High in Melbourne, Florida. So that was, it's kind of, it's a 5A school in Florida. 8A is the biggest down there. And then that was kind of a, not necessarily sight unseen, but I had been down there and visited, but I moved down there and then quickly realized that in Florida, education is a better term, for lack of a better term, it's a mess, uh, honestly. Um, a lot of things are a mess down there. Um, one, you, the, the pay for teachers and coaches is just a poverty level almost. I mean, they had had a pay freeze for seven, eight years. Um, and this is stuff being 27, you don't really research as much as you should, you know, <laughs> when you get down there. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> like All you're seeing at 26, 27 is, hey, I'm going to live by the beach. I'm going to go to the beach all the time. But it's like you get there and you're like, well, I don't really go to the beach as much as I want, you know. So and then actually I, I moved to my at about that time. Uh, May or so, April or May of 2015, my my alma mater, National Trail High School, opened up. Their head football job opened up. Um, they had come off a couple pretty good seasons, um, and we had been perennially. I mean, you're talking about four or five records above 500 in the school's history. I mean, it's just a perennially not a very high-performing athletic school, really, um, in football. I came back, eventually got the job um, once, and then and moved back here, started teaching social studies and teaching um, or sorry, teach social studies and doing the weight room and then doing the, being a head football coach here as a first job at 28 years old. I'm like, man, 
you know how it is some of those places if you ever if a lot of those coaches out there they go to their home their home alma mater and they're like man i'm gonna turn this around i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this and then you get there and it's like it ain't really like that at all a lot of times a lot of times you're like sometimes that's the worst move you can make honestly is to go back home because you know what you want it to be and what it is sometimes it's just not always going to match um for for what your ideas you have, especially as a young coach, and what the the capability of the district really is. So we struggled through a couple two rough years, I would say. Um, really introduced that's when things really introduced to me as far as how hard you had to work and and what coaches were do. Just and you know this coach, not off the field, just the amount of. I mean, you're doing laundry all day, every day for football. Like, it's just the amount of stuff that's not even football related that as an assistant you take for granted. You know, you don't even think about it. So, especially at the small school level. And then, luckily, I was able to get a job somehow. People at Swanton High School up by Toledo, Ohio took a chance on me. I'm not real sure how. I mean, would you, when you go there, you're 5 and 15. I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what they saw in me, but I'm, just glad, they, I'm glad they saw something. <laughs> Um, so I went up there. They had come off a couple really uh, two really good seasons in a row under Mike Vickers, who's kind of a Northwest Ohio uh, coaching legend up there. Um, he's a wing tee guy. He's a he's an old school coach. Is um, is a, he's a been a great coach. He turns around. He's turned around a ton of programs up in Northwest Ohio. Um, but I took over for him with only about like three returning starters, and we were able to make somehow have a great season make the playoffs my very first year uh, at seven and three, which in Ohio is not easy to do because they only take eight teams from each region, you know, 24 teams out of 100 in the state are making in each, each division here. So because I, I heard your podcast with um, the Hoover coach last week and I'm like, well, it's not quite that serious, but how football is pretty serious. So, <laughs> and, then, and then after my second year there, I, I, my, my athletic director at National Trail Bit was the athletic director at Fairborn High School now, which is where I currently still teach and have been at. So he kind of calls me up after the season in 20, 2018 and says, hey, you want to be my football coach again? So that's kind of how I ended up down here, which I thought was somewhat win-win because it's close, it's close to home. It's a big school. And sometimes like I feel like if you if you go to a big school – and you're not successful even after three or four years and you, maybe you get let go or whatever. I feel like the small school jobs that I had been a part of were always going to be open every year. You know what I mean? So it's like, I thought it was kind of win. I thought it was kind of win-win there. Um, had a rough first year. I mean, just, just a Fairborn is a friendly, uh, not a, quite a bottom feeder, but just a, uh, it's a tough place to coach. Um, and it's a, uh, place that's always struggling in football to consistently put together great seasons. So we struggled the first year. We That's where I really became immersed in how, how important culture is, especially to a place that, that never had any. So in, installing that for the first year was very rough. I mean, it was really stressful. You start, I mean, I don't know, baseball is the same way, but you start getting a lot of those, those stress pains and things like that. And, and uh, you having to deal with things you never dealt with before. And then this year, somehow, man, I mean, that's a credit to the kids and my coaching staff. We just had a great season with pushing through the COVID stuff. We had numerous numerous times where they stopped us and they for two weeks or we had to. And there was one point where six of my coaches got the virus at the same time, including me during the season. <laughs> so we had to stop everything and deal with all that. It was wild, man. I mean, I've had a coach that's already gotten it twice. It's like, holy Crazy. crap. 
so we ended up uh, having a six and one season, which is a great year, you know. So um, for the especially for for our area and what the kids did during this, if you're, I think if you're even completing a season any, right now with the circumstances of the virus, the virus, and then the, the mental health of, of everybody right now, I think you're having, a, I think you're doing a great job for coaches out there. And then uh, once this opened up I, after the season, I just started looking and I got lucky to find Mountain Crest. I mean, it's, it's so crazy. The things I had to do this year for, because we were really by the book. And I mean, if we were told to do something, you know, as far as the school or something, I made sure it got done and our coaches made sure it got done. Like I, I was willing to do whatever it took for the kids to play, you know, that that was what's most important. So how can we, have, what do we have to do? If we have to do it, we'll do it. It's going to be inconvenient, but it's going to inconvenience everybody. So I mean, it's not like we're the only ones, you know, so. But, uh, but yeah, it, it was so wild this year. Yeah, for, for baseball workouts, we've been able to do workouts and off-season stuff, which is great. But one of the rules is that um, you pretty much have to be six feet apart at all times unless there's some sort of drill or something where for a minimal amount of time you're not. And I have found that to be the most difficult part to get these high school teenage boys who miss each other, they love each other, they want to hang out in – I just, I feel like I'm the six foot police because that's like how I spend the whole workout. I was like, guys, we got, <laughs> like, if someone takes a picture, like this could be the end of us. It's like, oh my oh. gosh. So that's been like the biggest thing for me is like, just stay six <laughs> foot apart. Like, <laughs> come on. Coach, I'm telling you, man, it's not going to get easier right now as far as like when your season warps up, you know, like we started in the summer with that one. They allowed 20 kids in the weight room at a time. So I'm asking myself and my coaches in June to start going, I mean, literally four sessions of lifting a day. You know what I mean? Like different times, and yeah. we're there from we're there from six a.m. to to one in the summer, just for just for all the liftings and stuff we have to do. And then, um, we had to actually create locker room groups where every third locker was in there for five minutes at a time. And so, like one, four, and seven, ten, and then the next group would be you know like two, six, and not, I mean it was crazy like that. Um, for about 15 minutes total, we had to go on the field. We had to put them on each sideline, space out by – or in, in, in uh, out of the end zone, space out by grade level. Like, put your waters here. They had to bring their own waters. You couldn't – they couldn't use the water fountains. Um, but they had, we had to set cones down. The, the, the weirdest thing we had to do that I've never seen anyone, any other state do that I've watched any video is we had to space out six feet apart on the sideline. So we had to, we literally set down cones. My coaches did every six feet and zigzagged them for like three rows <laughs> on the sideline, you know? So, and then uh, not only going on during the game, but I'm turning around, I'm like, stand on a cone, you know, it's uh, but it was just so wild. The state would send out these um, monitors, basically these people that would go around and, and submit a report to the, the school district and things well the, how, how good your district and your team did on that Friday night with the protocols that we had to follow I'm like holy crap it was it was truly insane it's like in the D1 college football where you have like the get back guy who's the coach's job during games is like to pull the head coach back when he's crossing over the line too much it's like we yep. need to hire just yep. an assistant coach whose sole job is COVID protocols like it's it's a lot to do and like you said we're, we'll do it all like whatever we'll do anything you want us right, to do but right. man it's it's a lot and it's it's hard one thing you mentioned earlier that I was like yeah that's so true is um when you mentioned like all the stuff that's involved in coaching like doing laundry and right. all these things that you don't really think about when you're an assistant <laughs> coach because it's not part of your it's not part of your worldview right. of coaching what what percentage do you think as a head football coach is actually spent coaching football 
Oh man, I tell you, I tell you what, I think it's probably about ten or fifteen percent, honestly. You know, on the field, yeah, I, I'm I, with you. Yeah. I really think it is. I mean, it's uh, it's it's just nonstop, especially if you're at a place that you're trying to truly change the culture. If you step into a job, like if I stepped into Bishop Gorman right now, it'd probably be a little bit easier for me as far as just the just the, I, the things I could focus on and the problems that I did or didn't have. When you step into a place where you're truly trying to turn around a culture and you're truly trying to turn the kids and the community and the school district into a winner um, and do things the right way, I think it take, it just takes so much of your time to do on issues that honestly you've never dealt with before. Like I got to Fairborn and, and um, there was, I can't tell you how many times during the year there would be something come up or a kid did something or um there was something going on with a coach and a player. I, I don't know what it would be. And and my defensive coordinator would look at me and go, what do you want to do about such? A, I'm like, well, hell, I don't know. I've never had to deal with it. Let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> like, what are we, what are we going to do about it? So, but it was just, especially at a place like that we're trying to turn things around, but, but there's just so much off the field anymore that you have to deal with. It's that just somewhat can, can wear you down to a certain extent. You know, if you're, if you don't have ways to um, refresh yourself and rejuvenate. Yeah, that's for sure. When you got to Fairborn, you mentioned that they had, um, you know, they needed a culture change. They hadn't been a, a super successful program over the years. Your first year, you mentioned, was a bit of a struggle trying to implement the, you know, the, the change, the shift. Obviously, year right. two, things went awesome, even despite COVID. What were some of the specifics? What were some of the things that you were doing trying to change the culture? What needed to be done? What are some of the specific things that happened where you were able to kind of put in a system that maybe helped the team kind of achieve at a level that they hadn't been achieving for in quite a long time. Coach, when they hired me, they basically kind of said, they're like, coach, we want you to clean this up. And I said, okay, you know, so we, I was like, what do we have to do? So we you know, start talking about it with the administration and coaches that have been on staff and things. But honestly, man, it's just a, you got to make kids accountable. Like I, I don't, and, and coaches too, because when you get in a, in a bad culture, nobody's accountable. They blame, everybody blames everybody else and nobody wants to do the, the dirty work. So we just kind of focused on, unfortunately, you don't want – in football and even in sports, you don't want to lose players. You know what I mean? But sometimes if you're working and putting the time in with a kid and he's just not going to respond to it, it's, it's you got to let a man go. You know, so – and unfortunately for us, the things that we asked him to do with accountability and actually, you know, being at practice, which was a problem before I got here and things like – and sometimes in the work and the weight room and how hard things have to be to turn around a team and a program – Sometimes kids are just going to naturally say, I can't do this, you know. So we actually lost a good amount of kids probably that first year. I, I call it somewhat, you know, uh, cleaning things up, I guess you would say. We lost a lot of kids that, unfortunately, I mean, for one thing or another, whether it be home issues, whether it be themselves or whatever, um, they just couldn't handle it. Um, so we had to, they left, you know. And then we struggled with that first year because you there's kids there that, that can't handle it and want to do it, you know. So we, but then the second year is when you start, because of what we were doing, we gained more kids. We gained better kids that came out. So our numbers were drastically up by, you know, 20, 25 players that from year year two from uh, to year two. So, um, but we really focused on, honestly, it was just holding kids accountable and building trust. Uh, we put a lot of emphasis in our program and I do as well. And my coaches, luckily I had some great assistant coaches that were on the same page of, of building trust. Um showing care, showing we had good character, showing the coaches were competent and making connection with those kids, you know? So that was the thing that we had to do the most. I was like, I put a lot of pressure on coaches, especially once COVID hit last March, 
of reaching out, talking to your kids, text, I mean, messaging your kids, seeing how they're doing, seeing what they're doing, seeing what they need, um, doing things with your position group, you know, going to get, maybe going to local place and getting ice cream with your, with your position group after practice one day or something, even something as simple as that. And just having conversations with kids and getting to know them. But that trust issue is such a big, is such a big deal. And that was definitely completely lacking when we got here. Um, and then we had to, on top of that, we had to make, we had to get kids eligible here. I mean, which was an issue. Um, so we started instituting study tables. We had to do it before school in the, in the fall. I mean, which is another thing you had to do. So, but to add to your plate as a coach, but, but it was just, it's, I think it's probably not a, not dissimilar to what a lot of coaches are going through out there with trying to turn around a program. Um, but it, it's just, uh, it's tough that first year. And I mean, it can absolutely wear on you. Like I, so much doubt creeps in your mind as a coach, you know, but you just have to have that steadfast belief that it's going to work. Well, we're going to do it. Well, and you can have that doubt, even if you've been at a program for years and like the culture is really good. You, you know, when you mentioned your defensive coordinator asking you like, what are we going to do about this? Like situations like that come up where you're like, well, I, I don't know. I've never dealt with this, even when, even when the culture is kind of going good. And so then when, obviously when you're stepping in and the culture is, is not where it needs to be like, that's that's really tough because you have these expectations, these standards, these principles that you you want to be the core of your program. You want to stand by them, but can you? I don't know. Do you have the guts to stand by them when it means that this kid might end up quitting because he's not going to make make those standards? And maybe this kid would make us win one more game, like sort of a thing. And so it's yeah, it is the idea of self doubt like that creeps in. And like you said, if you can stand by it and weather the storm, like you'll you'll come out the other side and be fine. Oh. And it's so hard, man, because uh, you lose, especially as a coach, when you care about kids the way that uh, people that, especially when you're in states like Oregon or, or Ohio or most other states outside of the Southern ones. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen in the South, but guys that are making, you're making a stipend of five grand, you know, <laughs> it's like, okay, it's a, it's, you're not getting a full campus coordinator and head coach job for, you know, 120,000, but I'm not saying that, I'm not saying they don't care about the kids. That's not what I mean. But you really have to, I think, at this at, when you're in certain states, in certain places, because of of the hardships that, that come with it and the time that's spent, you have to you have to really put in a lot of time with the kids. And when you lose a kid that you put a lot of time in with, because just look, he just can't come to practice, or he just who you know is probably not going to come back. He's probably going to get in trouble. He might be in he might be in jail. And we've had kids, unfortunately, here like that that we haven't seen again or in it just tears you apart because you want to help the kid and you re- did everything you could. Um, but it just tears you apart. It's, it's unfortunately it's a vicious circle a lot of times, you know? So I see that in teaching sometimes too, where I'll have a student who has obviously been through like some pretty rough home life stuff. Maybe I know about it. Maybe I don't, but you, you kind of, sometimes you have kids and you just kind of know, like it's it, not real difficult to figure out that things aren't great. And sometimes it'll happen where you start building this relationship with them and you think things are going good. And then especially as a teacher, like all of a sudden one day they're not in class anymore and they're not on your roster anymore and they withdrew and you as a, you don't get any more information than that. It's just they're not here anymore. And you're like, oh my gosh, like all this work, all this time trying to build this relationship and you there's no follow-up. You don't know where they go, what they're doing now. And it's as a, as a teacher and as a coach, like that part, that <laughs> I don't know, it just sucks. It does, man. It's so sad in a lot of cases because you, you really want what's best for the kids, you know? I mean, so it's kind of, it just tears you up. I mean, but you, like I said, you can't, I, I always like to say we can try our best, but we can't save everyone, you know, even though you want to. And that's uh, that's the sad reality of just life and, and teaching and coaching in general, for sure. 
All right, so Randy, you're uh, at this point, obviously, as you're kind of transitioning um, into a new program at Mountain Crest, also you're doing it from afar, which is kind of adding a new layer to it, obviously. Right. Um, Mountain Crest, when I kind of did some research on it and talked to you previously, um, looks like they've been a successful program over time, but then obviously this past year in 2020, they had a, had a rough year. They went two and nine, wasn't great. So you're coming to a program that's had success long-term, but short-term they've struggled. Where where do you go from here to kind of get the school moving in the right direction? Well, like you said, they've had a, years of success. You're talking about, you know, 10, 15 years ago, numerous state championships, even three years, three seasons ago, they were in a state final in 4A out there in Utah. So it's like there's there's an expectation of success there already. Um, I'm not sure what happened. I mean, you don't know the situation as a coach, you know, so it's kind of just kind of looking in. But first and foremost, what I do is I got to try to identify the problems. You know, I try to, I've tried to talk to the kids, survey the kids, um, survey any coaches from last season, whether they wanted to return or not, and just try to figure out like, all right, what are our major issues? You know, where do the problems lie? Like uh, Urban Meyer talked about on his uh, Fox, uh, Fox Sunday show or Fox Saturday show and all that. You got to look under the hood a little bit, you know, so if it's been successful and all, all I keep hearing about, man, there's great kids, there's, outstanding kids and there's so much talent here and i'm like okay so if there's so much talent and they're great kids what's the issue it makes a lot of sense and i think that obviously in your position the weird wrinkle to it is that you're trying to do this from you know thousands of miles away basically right right the good i'll tell you what and i'll plug this i'll plug this app for and i don't even get money for this all right (laughs) But, (laughs) but there's an app called i don't know if you ever heard it called sports you it's like, you know, it's like the Remind app. It's like um, um, we what I've used before in the past is like group messenger type stuff, you know, to keep in touch. I call, I use something called GroupMe in the past, but I just kind of fell out of favor with that. Uh, SportsU, I kind of I've kind of got from some coaches around Ohio and was uh, re- like um, recommended to me by one of my coaches here who, who does a lot of YouTube stuff and all that. He goes, hey, you got to check out SportsU for next season. So we kind of transitioned to it here at Fairborn. And then I've kind of taken it right to Mountain Crest. Basically, man, it's like a Facebook. It's like a Google Calendar. It's like a team messenger. You can create different groups within groups. You can get players, coaches, parents on board. Uh, we got over over about 105 people in, right now between coaches, players, and parents. So that's been huge for me. Like I can put uh, all our events up. I can put surveys out. I can, You know what I mean? Things like that. And polls out to to see where even like even re, my one of my very first things was all right what color helmet do you want you know I had the players kind of vote on that and kind of went from there but this app has been huge for me just keeping consistent messaging with my coaches because you know how it could be at some schools you know the internet's not great or um, like where I'm at here I kind of have like a a room in the middle of the school with no windows. So it's, you don't get much service. So what I can do here is I can still talk to people and still talk to coaches and still talk to players um, without even really meeting them necessarily before. And um, you still have those conversations, even when your phone's not, you know, taking 15 minutes to send out a text or something. So that's been, this app has been huge for me, honestly, and for our team so far. And I would recommend sports you to all coaches out there. It's truly, it's a great app. Everything you need is right there. There's no questions from parents. I mean, it's, it's great. 
So that, that's awesome. That was, yeah, that was the number one thing where I've started at. Just try to get to. Yeah, I've used GroupMe before, and same thing. Like I was like, yeah, I kind of sold on it. Like it's not right. that great. Reminds fine, but you know, it's only like tech, so it's still right. kind of tough. Yeah, sports use sounds pretty cool. I might look into that. It's a great. I'm telling you, it's a, I, I would highly recommend it, Coach. It's awesome. That sounds great. One of the things you mentioned, you talked about surveys to kids and you also mentioned surveys to coaches. And that's kind of the the other part, too, is when you're heading into a new program from the outside. You don't really know the coaching staff. There's the yeah. there's the weird dynamic as you enter into the program. So kind of with with coaches, what's your strategy for how to how to interact with the ones who are already there and then how to figure out what your staff's going to look like next year? Uh, you just got uh, to me. I went about this in a way, especially talking to our administration when I took the position right after I said, all right, give me some names of coaches returning who are interested in returning or last year's staff. Um, I said, you know what? I said, I want three criteria. I said, if they don't match this criteria, don't give me their name. I don't want to talk to them. They're they're just not going to fit. You know, I wanted high energy guys, just positive energy guys. I wanted reliable guys, like guys that are accountable and be reliable because you know, with high school, a lot of very, a lot of people don't work in a building. So it's like, can you be where I need you to be when you're supposed to be there? Like as much as a kid, but with coaches as well. And then guys that would build great relationships with kids. You know, that, those were the three criteria I really focused on from the beginning. And I said, here's what my expectation is. Here's what I'm looking for. Give me some names you have. Give me some names that, that uh, would fit this or, or uh, give me the ones that don't fit this. And kind of uh, that's kind of where I started at, um, and kind of and kind of went from there. And you just kind of it's just having those conversations with coaches. Like, look, I know know what happened last year. You may have gotten let go or whatever, but it's a new year. It's a new you have a there's a new opportunities and, and kind of things like that. And just having conversations sometimes that um, that a lot of people don't want to have. Yeah, that's uh, you're spot on. Is the conversations you don't really want to have because it can open up some some awkwardness some. Because there's the weird part of like you, you didn't have a lot of success on the field last right, year, and you right. want to come, and so it just kind of creates that weird dynamic. But as you, as we all kind of know, sometimes you you have great coaches, you've got kids who are talented, and you still don't win, and there's there's still something that's missing. So, uh, like you mentioned, you're just trying to figure out as you look under the hood, like what is it that prevented us from being successful? You know, how can I change things? And usually, man, where it comes down to is, is a trust issue. You know, it, it's just a trust issue that's going on. You got great kids, you got hardworking kids, you got talented pl- players, and there's coaches on there that can coach. You know, but there's just a disconnect, and there's a. It usually boils down to a trust trust issue for me, and I think that's kind of where the from what my conversation with my guys that are going to return, the coaches that aren't returning, and, and administration out there at that Mountain Crest is just there's just been a trust issue the last few years. You know. Where that trust issue and when that trust is is varied and you're not going to get great effort out of the kids, you don't get max effort out of the coaches, um, and there's no there's no sense of unity and family in that. So, as you kind of get into the football side of things, I've I've I'm reading about you a little bit, and then again talking to you, I know you've described yourself as kind of an old school coach mentality, where it's you know physicality, time of possession wing T offense, that sort of stuff. Let's say that when you get to Mountain Crest, everything goes as planned, as I'm sure it always does, right? Always everything is. goes as planned. <laughs> Let's say three years from now, what are people saying about Mountain Crest style of football? I would like to, I would say I'm an old school in a sense that, you know, I, I'm going to like to hold people accountable. 
I like to get after. I like to compete hard. Um, I like a physical old school approach to football. Um, I'm not married to like things like the wing tee and stuff like that. And you'd be and you're and it's insane, man. People want to run. They want they see the Packers do something or the Seahawks. <laughs> And they're like, man, we could do that. It's like, that's not exactly how it works at all kinds of every place, you know. Mountain Crest has been known for being a physical, hard-nosed team, a hard-nosed community and that builds this foundation on defense. And that's kind of what – that's how I've always tried to build my teams as well. So I thought the match there was great, and that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I would like to be known as. I think it's a good thing to be known as. I think anytime if people talk about your program and it's about, you mentioned trust earlier, even before the idea of competing, being physical, playing hard, like those are all like compliments that if someone ever said about any team I coached, I'd be like, hell yeah, like we're, we're doing something right. Oh, right. Absolutely. And and one thing I've always been proud of for, for my teams and for the kids that I've had too, and it's a compliment to the kids and the coaches that I've had in my career so far is just that trust has been there. So it's kind of a, it's just been, I'm really pleased with how my teams would improve throughout the year, you know, uh, may not always have a great record or you may be struggling, but I never felt like my teams gave up. I never felt like my team stopped practicing hard or our coaches stopped, stopped coaching, you know, so I felt like from game one to game 10, my teams always improved. And I don't think that happens without that foundation of trust, you know. Well, you keep mentioning trust. So let's get into that real quick. What, what do you do or what have you done to try to build trust? I know a lot of it's relationships, but what's, right. how do you build trust? Well, to me, man, uh, to me, it's three, it's three things. And I go back, I got, I got this from Tim and Brian Kite in a focus three. It's the character competence and connection to me. I think that's a great way for, to define trust. You got to have, you got to show the kids and you got to show the community. You got to show the people in that school, um, and your coaches that you have a you're a man of good character, a person of good character who does things the right way, kind of lives the, by the example that you're wanting the kids to see and set um, sets that the correct way. Um, and you got to show obviously you got to show you're competent. If I go out there, I can be you know a great guy. And if I don't know football, if I don't, if I don't know the schemes, if I don't know um, the culture aspects or how I want to build trust and things like that, they're going to look at you like, man, this guy's a great guy, but Hey, he's just a, he's just a bro, you know, like so it's the character, the confidence. And then the, like you said, it's building that connection, like relationships and connection, connecting with the kids and more than just football, um, trying to, trying to, and that's a big part. I think, I think that's where it starts is that connection. Um, I've always encouraged my coaches in the past Take, and we put a big emphasis on it at Fairborn because they they were really lacking this. There was ability here, but that trust us all in connection with coaches. I think had always been distant for years. But it's setting that, taking your kids, getting with your position, taking them out to eat, taking them out to dinner, um, having them over to your house, um, taking a guy, taking a guy out for breakfast, talking, you know, talking to his parents, all kinds of things like that. Um, just different ways of doing, you know, holding your kids after, um, just doing whatever you can to build a, to spend more time, you know, investing and spending more time with the, with the kids. So I think to, to me, I think it's that you got to have great character. You got to be competent in what you're doing and you got to build that connection with the kids. I love the connection part. I love the idea of, 
and I think it's so true that we have to find ways as coaches to connect to our kids outside of the sport. So it can't all be about for me, baseball or for you, football or for whoever, with whatever sport they're involved in. And I think one of the big things like with football that it's hard to wrap my head around. And I've mentioned this on previous episodes is just the sheer numbers of play, like the roster size, you know, with baseball, we, it's really manageable with football to sure. a lot of people. But then I, just as you're talking about that, it's like, Oh, I guess it makes sense because in football, there's kind of this natural division among players in the sense that there's position groups that you can kind of create bonds over right. position coaches. And so as you're, talking about that i'm like oh my gosh like that's one of the big questions i've had for a long time and it's like well of course like what a what an easy way like to kind of create those relationships with coaches oh yeah and i think it's and being a especially a school like mount crest um i've kind of progressed going from the small school level to bigger schools as i've kind of gone on and fairborn is d2 in ohio which is the second highest division in ohio we've had probably about 80 kids um, and we were my first year, we were in the 50s. So we've really improved that. And then Mount Crest, I mean, I mean, uh, from everything I've gathered from the rosters, I've gotten the coaches and everything I've done, I, I expect to have over 125 kids. Yeah. So it's going to be like you said, you go from having, you know, 16, 17, 18 guys on a, on a, on the bench or yeah. uh, during baseball to, to having, you know, 80 kids come out for, just just dressing on the sidelines on Friday night as a coach, as a head coach, it's so difficult to get to know all those kids, you know, and to to the extent that you'd like to. Um, if that well, I mean, just learning their names on this <laughs> right. task for yeah. itself, especially with me going into a new school. It's like, well, it's going to be yeah. it's going to be week 10 for I know everybody. So, hey. <laughs> but it, so I think as a as a football coach, more than probably more so than a baseball coach, just based off sheer numbers, you rely on those position coaches so much to build those bonds with the kids. Like, um, you know, science, uh, a lot of times they say science proves you can only, one person can only lead six people successfully, you know? So it's kind of like, if I'm trying to lead 140 people, including coaches on that, it's not going to be as successful as I want. So I got to empower those assistant coaches to build those bonds. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the biggest parts of coaching is allowing assistant coaches to take ownership of their whatever their area is. And that involves that connection piece with kids. Right. Um, so w w one of the questions I ask a lot of people, and it's kind of my last like really like in my head planned question I have for you, because I think the answers I've gotten have been so awesome from all these different coaches and they vary in a lot of ways. Right. And it's a really straightforward question, but the answer can be really complex. And it's simply this. It's especially today as we've gone through COVID times and we've seen kids lose high school sports and whatnot. Um, in your mind, what is it about high school sports that's so important? I think it's just the, the, that bond you build with, with everybody that's going through the same thing you are, you know, uh, that's really, it's just the bonds. I look back at it. The game of football has given me so much. I mean, you can, football is responsible for me moving across the country. It's responsible for me, making more money, which isn't why you coach high school sports, but it's, it's <laughs> <You're right. laughs> but I'll be honest with you. I don't get certain teaching jobs if I'm not a head football coach, you know, so, which has improved my financial situations and things like that. So, but the, just the bonds and the memories that you have, even going back to my high school days, thinking of the sidelines on, on teams I played on in high school and things, but just, just, that's always a bond you're going to have. You could see that person in 30 years and be like, Hey man, you remember that game? You know the the winter the the winter tournament where we went to play basketball here and there. Remember that shot they made to beat us? I mean, you just start talking. You can't get that out of a lot of things. You know, even your job, like 
but to me, it's high school sports is just the connections and the bonds that you build with people is, is, is so pivotal to kids, you know, like, and you try to recruit every coach, every coach out there does this, you know, you try to recruit for your sport in the hallways, you're trying to get out in the hallways. Hey man, you ever thought about coming up for football and whatever, but at the end of the day, they is if they tell me like, no coach, I play soccer, I'm in band. It's like, Hey, at least you're doing something, you know, get out of the house get around people and build up, build that connection and, and that social interaction that people need. So it's like, as long as you do something out there, I mean, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. Randy, it's been awesome having you on. I wanted to give you a chance here at the end, no question, just hand the mic over to you and just kind of close us out. If there's anything maybe in our conversation that we've missed that maybe we should have covered, uh, maybe advice for coaches, young coaches, old coaches, whoever, uh, people who are going to be <laughs> moving across the country, whatever it might be. Just give you a chance with the mic here to close us out with any parting thoughts you've got. I guess, man, I, I would just kind of, because, you know, in this profession, especially, I think it's more in football than anything else, because you see a lot of people kind of stay in an area for basketball or, or baseball a little bit more. But I guess the only thing I would say, and I'm not one to give much advice, man, but you know, who am I? But it's like, if you, if you want to take a risk like this, like something like I'm doing, um, where m- myself, my girlfriend, I mean, we're, we're packing up and going and on and, and taking a chance at this. This is the t- COVID. It's the things that have happened the last calendar year have really kind of made it so clear to me that there, we may not be here next year at this time. <laughs> you don't know. Right. I mean, with everything that's happened, I mean, I may not, you never know. God, God forbid what, what could happen. But I, I would tell coaches out there, man, if you, if you want to take a risk and take a chance and do something, do it, just go do it. Like who says no, you know? So I, I would say just, just go, go after what you want. And uh, I mean, and if it's something that you can pull off, just, just go for it, man. You just go for it and, 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 kind of dream a little bit with that regard. Cause we tell kids all the time, like, don't you waste a day. You know, that's a big thing from this past year with so many, we had, we missed three games because of COVID cancellations. And then it's like, when you're out here for practice, when you're out here for the game and you're in the classroom, don't, don't you, don't take a day off. Don't miss a day. You know, don't. So now I've kind of used my own advice on that with, with kind of what I'm doing here with Mountain Crest. So I would just encourage all coaches to do the same. Well, yeah, the position you're in is so unique, and I, I, I'm so glad that we were able to find time and make this happen because um, it's. I think it'll happen more and more now, especially with how good we've all gotten at Zoom that uh, a lot of us will probably start taking jobs at times that are far away from us. And how do we how do we manage that new position while we're still have our feet over here geographically? And so just having you on and letting you share some of your thoughts has been awesome. Uh, really appreciate you coming on, and just thank you, Randy. I appreciate it, brother. You're doing great work, man. I enjoyed the conversation and uh, do it again. I can't imagine what it's like trying to prepare your program from 1,600 miles away, but he's figuring it out. Thanks and good luck to Coach Kearns as he makes this amazing transition. And thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button. Once again, if you haven't joined the club, do it takes about 90 seconds to sign up. You'll be part of the premier national organization of high school coaches, trainers, administrators, players, parents, and more. And you'll get the weekly newsletter in your inbox every Wednesday. You can find that link down in the show notes. Next week's newsletter is the third in a series devoted to tryouts, cutting players, and that dreaded parent email. Don't forget to leave a rating. 
maybe even a review. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can also follow me at Mr. Max Price. And you can reach me via email. That's max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for everything you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you. <laughs>